0: How y'all doing today? I have a few props here, and we'll get to those. I just want to say, first of all, that I love what's going on here at Hot FM. I love it. I love it. I refer to this brochure probably every time I come up here, right, Derek? Derek? And if you haven't gotten one of these, they're out there on the counter. I want you to grab one and read it. And if you haven't read it for a while, maybe you want to reread it again. Um, I love our messages that we're hearing here from Barry and Brandon. I love what the youth department is doing. I love what the young adults are doing. I love what Derek is doing on Wednesday nights. Let me just say this that if you're not coming on Wednesday nights, I dare you to come one time, just one time, and see what it does for you. We get reports all the time from people who are finding out that come, and they're finding out their gifts, and they're finding out where God wants to plug them in and how God wants to plug them in. And so, I would just encourage you to come Wednesday nights. We're over there on the other side. um, And just come and be a part of it. I dare you to do it one time. I dare you to do it one time. As I was asking the Holy Spirit what He wanted me to speak on today, you know, the last time it was prayer and, and all of that. And I love talking about prayer. I love talking about maturing disciples. I love talking about gifts. I love seeing us grow up as a body and do exactly what God wants us to do. But there's also another side of me. For those of you who don't know, I wasn't raised here in America. My mom and dad were missionaries for 40 years in Africa. And so, I have maybe a different perspective. A little bit different. I'm not condemning anybody. If, uh, if you haven't been raised that way, there's a very, very good possibility you, you just don't think that way. Um, but in this brochure, one of the things here, number seven, is evangelistic community. Evangelistic Community. And so I'm going to talk quick. I'm going to throw out a lot of ideas. I'm a practical kind of person. When I read scripture, I ask God, what what does that have to do with me? When I watch marriage DVDs, I don't I don't say, well, my wife needs to know this, my wife needs to see this. I say, what do I need to learn? from this dvd to become a better husband. And so I'm a practical kind of person and so today I with the help of the Holy Spirit I want to be real practical. I want to be I want to be very simple and very basic. And so today the title of my message is called A Global View The Command of Christ a global view, the command of Christ. And so many times we in here, and again, this is not condemning, but the vision that we have so much is about us in here, and there's nothing wrong with that because we need to mature in Christ. But I want to take the flashlight and I want to shine it for just a few minutes in a different direction. This doesn't only, Hot FM doesn't only have to do with us in here, but it has to do with people out there. You see, Jesus was very clear when He said, go into Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and then the uttermost parts of the world or the ends of the earth. I'm here to tell you that there's more than just 2025 Bartow Road, Lakeland, Florida, 33801. You see, our building has doors on it. And those doors are connected to sidewalks. And those sidewalks are connected to streets all around this property. You see, it's one thing for us to be in here and and to grow and to mature as the body of Christ and as the bride of Christ. But what about those people out there whom Christ wants them to be part of His bride, but they don't even know it? John Axe was just up here talking about Harvest Festival. You don't have to go around the world to find people who don't know anything about Jesus. So many times we, we think in our minds that that's what it is. And it is part of that. And I have lived that and continue to live that to this day. But there are people right near each one of us throughout the week that we come close to, we pass, we interact with, we we greet at the gas station or the convenience store or Publix or Winn-Dixie that don't even think of Jesus. Jesus never crosses their mind. And I'm not condemning anybody, but I'm telling you, we have our job cut out for us. You say, well, it's not all on us, is it? No, but it's partly on us. And I want to encourage you, we we can do better. It's one thing for us to feel like a family in here. But what about creating a family out there that can be connected to us in here? It's not about me and mine or us and ours. It's about the command of Jesus, which wasn't a suggestion. It was a command. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I like this translation. God authorized and commanded me to commission you. Go out and train everyone you meet far and near with the gospel. And instruct them to do and practice what I've commanded you to do. Sometimes... We forget. God wants us to have a global view. Acts 1 8, we all know the passage. But you'll receive power and the ability when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witness, telling people about me, both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. A global view. But a global view isn't necessarily just way, way out there. A global view has to do with the city of Lakeland right here. It has to do with across the tracks like John was talking about. But it also does include far, far away. And I'm praying that as I speak today, maybe the Holy Spirit... would call a young person to be a full-time missionary. I don't have that call. I know what that call is. I understand what that call is. But I don't have that call. But that doesn't exclude me from participating, from helping someone else fulfill their call. Some of you who have been here a while have heard me refer to one time in Africa when my dad and some pastors were going into an area where the gospel had not been given to their knowledge. A group of pastors got in the vehicle with my dad and they drove far for several days into this region and one day they were driving down the dirt road and they one of them in the car looked out into the field and saw a man look like he was kneeling down or squatting down and they weren't sure exactly what the problem was they were they didn't know what he was doing Um, and so The next pastor said well why don't we stop and go find out and so they slammed on brakes and they went uh, pulled off to the side there and walked out through the bush and go ahead and put that slide up as they walked through the bush they found this man it's an old picture you'll have to focus carefully this man was crouching down there by those stones and come to find out those, that pile of stones was his God. You see there he's got uh, parts of a goat in his hand. Those two baskets up on the top there are what he used to bring chickens. Um, you see there right below the baskets a bowl of blood where he had sacrificed and <clears throat> caught the blood and Cut up the chickens and the and the uh, and the goats and laid them on those rocks and he was there to worship his God. A grown man, grown man. The pastors, one of the pastors knew the language and greeted him and had asked him, you know, what are you doing here? And this is what he said. He said, my grandfather came here, my father came here and brought me here, I come here and sacrifice to our family God, said I bring my sons to come and do the same. What a haunting statement for a grown man to give in the day and age that we live in. I don't make this stuff up. I'm not exaggerating. The picture shows exactly what I'm talking about. But I don't know about you. I have a problem with there being people in the world who still do this kind of stuff. I have a problem with it. Because my Bible says that he died for the whosoevers of the world. That it's not just for us in here to have great worship and great preaching and mature in Christ and have a family and do what we do. There's more that we can do. You see, God has a global view. His Gospel is a global Gospel. And God expects the church To be a global church and preach a global gospel. The next slide is a man here who came with his fetishes, with trinkets and things that he worshipped, good luck charms and things like that. He came because he he had gotten saved and he wanted to burn them. And I can remember as a little boy standing there, my dad let me stand right there with him. And I can remember as this man threw those things in the fire, I can remember as it was yesterday, those things screaming, screams came out of the fire as those gods were burned that day. Made an impact on me. And the next picture, he's testifying to the peace that he has in his heart, from surrendering to God. Hallelujah. For God so loved the world, listen to the word world, that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever would believe in Him would not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. That's global thinking. That's having a global view. Global thinking takes the shift of focus off of ourselves and puts it on the needs of others. In John chapter 4, very familiar passage, the woman at the well. You say, is this really what we're talking about? Yes, it is. In verse 4, it says that Jesus needed to go through Samaria. It was, it was north of where He was, and so He knew that He needed to go that way, but He knew that those people also needed a Savior. And so they went that way that day to meet the need. And in verse 6, Jesus was tired, so he stopped at the well. The disciples went on into town to buy food, but Jesus stayed there. And in verse 7, a Samaritan woman came to draw water from the well. You see, Jesus was a Jew, and traditionally and commonly The Jews hated the Samaritans. They were a mixed breed. They weren't thoroughbreds, shall we say. And so they didn't have any dealings with them, much less speak to a woman. Even though she was of a different race, she still needed spiritual water or spiritual life. Can I tell you, just because there are people out there that are a little bit different or vastly different than you and me doesn't mean that they don't deserve to hear the gospel. They can be from a different race, maybe a different culture, maybe at a different educational level, maybe a different economic status. I'm reminded of India with with the caste system. Born into a caste, into a society, into a level, if you will, and never moving from that. You can't better yourself. If you're born as a laborer, you labor all of your life. Your children labor, do manual labor all of their life. Maybe it's a different language. Maybe it's a different lifestyle. I was thinking this week, talk about lifestyle. You don't don't have to go to another country to see a different lifestyle. Just compare people that live in New York City compared to people that live in the mountains of Tennessee. Different lifestyle. In verse 9, the woman was surprised that he would ask her for anything or have anything to do with her have you ever been asked by someone why do you care so much about me i'm talking about a lost person have you ever just been friendly to someone maybe it was your neighbor and you struck up a conversation and that conversation developed into a relationship and it went on for weeks and years and all of that. Have you ever been asked, what makes, what makes you different than the rest of the people that I hang out with? Why, why is it that you have such peace in your life? Why is it that you're so happy, or why is it that you have, you just act like you have everything together? It seems like you just got it all going on. I'm reminded of my sister and her husband who were missionaries in Greece. And a few years back, when the refugees were coming over, they were fleeing Syria and different parts of the Middle East, and they were trying to get to. Europe for a better life, my sister and her husband would would actually meet the boats coming in you'd pay smugglers and they would bring you on boats um, to the shore and they would be there and, and would receive them and and then they had a refugee center it wasn't run by them, but they participated and they helped in it, and they would help these refugees most of most of which were all Muslims. And they would help give them food and give them clothing, because on these rafts, you can't, I mean, you just get on it. And the horrific stories of children falling off in the middle of the night and drowning, and you can imagine, it's just horrible. Way too many people on on these rafts, but... At this refugee center, they would give them food and they would help them sign up to get an apartment and a a place to live. And one of the families that came to them was a a wealthy Muslim man. He owned a construction company, sold uh, road construction equipment, uh, graders and dump trucks and things like that. And so he was a wealthy man, but he had had enough. He saw them slaughter innocent people and so he chose to take him and his family and come out and so my sister and her husband were just there and so day after day they would see him week after week they would see him and finally one day after several weeks he asked my brother-in-law he said can I can I talk to you in the office and my brother-in-law said of course and he went in and sat down, and um, here's the comment that he made to my brother-in-law. He says, I am a Muslim, and no Muslim has ever cared for me like you have cared for us as strangers. He said, no the people from my religion, not only do they not care, but they slaughter us. And here we come here and you greet us at the shore as strangers knowing nothing about us. And you work day after day after day to help us find our way. My brother-in-law said to him, said, well, We are Christians, and we believe that we must do what God tells us to do. And part of that is to reach out to people like you. And here was his response. Then my family and I must also become Christians and do what Jesus says. The woman asks Jesus, why, why are you asking me for water? Why are you having anything to do with me? And Jesus replies, if only you knew what a wonderful gift God had for you and who I am, you would ask me for some living water. You would ask me for eternal life. And everyone who drinks from this will will never be thirsty again But whoever drinks of this water that I give you, you will never thirst again. Because my water will satisfy your thirst. And it will be a spring continually bubbling up within you to eternal life. And she said, I want it. Give it to me. I want it. Give it to me. You see, we sit in here as a community and we're satisfied. Why? Because we've experienced eternal life. You remember back before you were saved how you were never satisfied. Your your hunger, your thirst, your desires, your longingness, your Your emptiness that was inside of you was never satisfied. I can tell you this. There's never been one person who truly met Jesus who wasn't satisfied. No one. No one in the entire world came to Jesus and walked away unsatisfied. Because He is the one that satisfies us. He is the one that gives us living water. He is the one that allows us to enjoy His presence. He is the one, the living water, that you hear about from this pulpit. But What about others who've never been given it? What about your neighbor who's never drank that water? What about your friend at school who's never accepted Jesus. You see, Jesus goes on to tell her that He's the Messiah, and she leaves her water pot and goes back to the village to tell everyone, come and meet this man. And many people from the village come out from the town to see Him. And then the disciples come back from buying food. And Jesus talks to them about the harvest. He says, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. One sows, another reaps, and they all rejoice together. You see, all of us have a part to play. All of us. There are some that sow, but then there are some that reap. I've met over the years People that I sowed into, that I sowed into, that I sowed into. And found out later that someone else came along and reaped the harvest. It was, he was ready. She was ready and reaped the harvest. And they accepted Christ and became part of the family of God. You see, but before the sowing and before the reaping and before the rejoicing, we have to shift our focus off of ourselves and onto other people. Before we got saved, we focused on ourselves. But now that we've experienced the Gospel, we must focus and be able and willing to share Him with the world. We can see that even the disciples were more concerned at that time with even going and getting food than they were the white fields that were ready for harvest. And Jesus was trying to communicate to the disciples that reaping now is priority. That the harvest is ready now. He was trying to communicate the urgency, the urgency of being ready for the harvest and reaping the harvest. So even though the woman and the people were from a different race, Jesus saw them as being In need of a savior. And with his global view, he reached out to many in the village. In fact, in verse 41, it says that many of them believed. Not just her, but many of them believed. What if Jesus had not traveled that way? What if he didn't stop at the well? What if he had gone with the disciples to go buy food in the town? He would have missed her. I believe that he was led by the Spirit of God to stay there. What if you don't be a witness where you are? What if you're not a witness at your job or in your school or just out in life? You'll be missing the opportunity that God is giving you. When you look at people, do you see them the way God sees them? Do you see see them in a way that they're in need of a Savior? Do you see them in the eyes of eternity? You may be wondering here, how in the world can I get involved? I can't go overseas. I don't even know where to begin. It just seems like an impossibility or unrealistic or such a daunting task. Can I tell you? You can be involved. You, each one of you, even the youngest child in here, there's something that you can do and God will lead you. To do that it's it's really simple the gospel is really simple being a witness is really simple so I have some ideas for us all I told you I'm a practical person everyone can be involved You may be here today, and maybe God is calling you to the mission field, to another country. Can I encourage you to do it with all of your heart? All of your heart. I'm reminded my dad had Muslim friends out there for years and years and years, and one of them was a taxi driver. His name was Fashani. Dad always witnessed to him. Always witnessed to him. Every time that he could go into town and see Fashani, he'd stop by and see him and, and witness to him. And one day, my dad needed him to t- to take him to the airport, and Dad was sitting in the back seat of the car, and they were headed. Headed to the airport, Dad was witnessing to him, and Fashany said this to him: "said I can't become a Christian." He said, "I'm a Muslim." He said, "My father was a Muslim, and I'm a Muslim. My whole family is a Muslim." And here's here's what he said to my dad: He said, "Why didn't you come here sooner?" my dad was just shook to his core. And he, my dad said to him, said, Shani, I came as quick as I could. I was, I was 26 years old when I got on a boat, a freight liner, and sailed to Africa with my wife and kids. I had to go through Bible school. I needed a pastor for a few years, but I came as quick as I could. And Fashani was asking him, Why didn't you come sooner? Can I tell you that there are people out there in Lakeland, in Lakeland, across the tracks, out these doors, who are waiting for you and I just to tell them about Jesus? Nothing fancy. You don't have to have a sermon prepared. You don't have to memorize chapters of the Bible. We can all do something. So in my practical ways, I'm going to give you, I'm going to move quickly. First of all, pray and ask God to reveal to you individually how he wants to use you. You don't have to be Billy Graham. Okay? You have to be you. And He'll tell you specifically. Ask Him to give you the words to say. I remember several years ago, I went right here in Lakeland to the city, one of the city buildings in the warehouse. And when I walked into the warehouse through the bay door, at the other end of the warehouse was another bay door. And there were two men standing at that bay door looking out that door with their backs to me. And when I walked into the warehouse, God said, I want you to minister to the one on the left. I didn't know the man. I didn't know anything about him. Nothing. God used me that day and in the several weeks to come to help them in their marriage. They were struggling. He ended up saying, will you come in my office and will you just talk to me for a little bit? And I spent a couple hours with him that very day. Not planned, not it wasn't even on my radar i was there for a different reason but i'm just telling you that when you ask the holy spirit to give you the words he will do it another thing don't be phony nobody believes anybody who's phony be real be real and live right live right Live a life that's pleasing to God. Don't go out, don't be in here worshiping God and out there using foul language. You say, Did you have to say it? Yeah, I had to say it. Don't do that. Don't talk like the world, don't act like the world. Don't be fretful and worrying where you have no trust in God. Don't be a negative person out there. Be a positive one. So we pray and we ask God to use us. Secondly, we get involved or we get connected. Jose is here and Enrico here. You know they have, they have outreaches every couple of weeks. Well, I'm afraid they're going to ask me to say something. Go and scoop food out of a pan onto a tray and smile and hand it to somebody. Isaac with the Dream Center downtown. You can get connected with that. And then the Harvest Fest. What John Axe said inside that kitchen is filled with food. You can come and Fill up a bag based on the instructions that you're given. You can go out, put it in the vehicle, go over there. And while someone's driving, you can have one bag in your hand and a door hanger in your other hand. All you have to do is walk up, knock on the door. If they answer, you give them the food and the door hanger, which tells them about the harvest festival. If they don't answer... Put the door hanger on the door. I don't believe that we're going to leave the food because someone could steal something or whatever and it get out of hand. It's better to give it to them individually. How difficult is that? And yet, who knows? It could be the doorway of a salvation for somebody, some stranger that you knew and you just knocked on their door with a bag of food. This is what I'm saying. It is so easy. And then we all know that first Fridays happen every Friday. Some of you may want to get together and get one of those booths down there and maybe get the guitar out and sing some songs and have a couple of people just standing around so when people walk up and down the street and they they stop to listen, maybe you could just go up to them and say, hey, can I pray with you about something? If they say no, don't worry about it. It's okay. But if they say, yeah, you say, well, what can I pray with you about? And they could give you a one sentence about their situation and you pray and the Holy Spirit will give you the words and it's his from there. Ask God for ideas like that. Ask Him. He's going to give them to you. In Barry's class on Monday mornings, I believe that anyone is, it's open to anyone, but in the last several weeks, we've been talking about creating a tract. Some of you are gifted, not me, but are gifted, and I want to encourage you. Why don't you create a tract? Get with me. We'll get it printed and we can distribute them. How simple is that? And then some of you want to go on a missions trip. I haven't told Carissa yet, but she's going to get a sheet of paper where you can sign up and we're going to get some information on there because there's all kinds of things that you can do. All kinds of things that you can do from building buildings to, well, here, I have a few things right here. Book of Hope. I've done this all over the world. Here's a little book. They have them. This one's for children. This one's for teenagers. And it talks about Jesus and who He is. This one for teenagers talks about sex and moral issues, drug abuse. But in the back of it, it has the plan of salvation and here's what we do this is how simple this is we go in there's an or, this organization makes these in south florida they ship them all over the country we get a group of people together we fly into a country there are these by the thousands we have a coordinator he coordinates the schools that we go in we may go into five schools in one day. It could be an auditorium setting or it could be class to class. We go class to class. There's a quick drama that you and I do and we hand out the book. You say, well, what good is that? I can tell you that I gave this one out to an elementary school boy in Medellin, Colombia. And he went home at lunchtime And showed it to his mom. And she began to read it. It It's in Spanish. She began to read it. And we went to lunch. We finished our lunch. We were sitting there waiting for the high school students to come into school. And so we were just sitting there waiting. When all of a sudden the little boy came running back up to us after lunch. And his mother followed him. And she's, he's pointing at us saying, these are the people, these are the people, these are the people. And I didn't know what she's talking about. She has this book in her hand during lunch. He took this book that we gave to him freely home. She read it. She accepted Christ. And she said, do you have any more that I can give to the other mothers that live in houses around me? Little a book. Most of them have never owned a color colored book in their life. To them, it's huge. It piques their interest. And then as they read, the Holy Spirit takes over. Yeah. So How about this? I know you've never seen this. This is a little satchet. Okay? Kind of squishy. I have a friend who's in Africa who has a hospital just about five miles from where my village was. I didn't know that until recent that he has a hospital. And the villagers come in with their malnourished children and babies. Some of them, the, the mothers deliver in the hospital and they're malnourished. And he has a compound built right beside the hospital. David's been there with me. And these mothers, if they come in and they've they got toddlers and they're malnourished, they come and they live in this compound. And they um, give them nutrition to get their body weight back up before sending them home. So they could come there and be there for three months, two months, whatever it takes. And this sachet actually has inside of it peanut butter. Peanut butter. And he gives this because you can rip the side off and you can squirt a little bit in the child's mouth and they'll eat it and you squirt a little bit more. And they make formula there too. But why couldn't our youth department Just get changed. I know years ago, Delta, I was flying on Delta, and they had this, it was an awesome idea. Change for life is what they said. And they just collected coins. And the coins that they had, they went and gave it to their charity. Why can't our youth department or young adults or women's group or any any of you gather in groups why couldn't you collect change and send it to buy some peanut butter because while they're there they witness to them while these months they have nowhere to go but to stay there in the in the compound why couldn't why couldn't we participate with something like this you say well i never knew anything about it well now you know something about it but there's <laughs> There's ideas. Come and talk to me. Come and talk to me. (laughs) So we pray about it. We get connected. And then we give. We give. These are things that anybody can do. Can I tell you, being raised assembly of God, it's the young people that raise money for the missionaries to buy their vehicles. The young people raise all over the nation, raise enough money to buy vehicles for missionaries overseas. And some of these vehicles have to be four-wheel drive and heavily equipped with all kinds of things on it, and they buy them. They buy them. What about if you contacted one of our missionaries and you said to them, tell me about an outreach that you're going to conduct Maybe an evangelism outreach of some kind. And maybe you as a group could partner, could tell them, I'm going to partner with you for this project. Or I'm going to partner with you for one year. And you be able to raise money and send it to them. Maybe to buy a set of tires for their vehicle. Maybe to buy a, a projector to show the Jesus film. All kinds of things. You can contact them. Maybe, maybe God wants to use you to organize an event like Run for One. Remember Run for One that we did? What about something like that? Maybe another event that you could organize. Maybe you could get connected with a company or an organization that translate the, translates the Bible into another language. Wouldn't that be cool? To be a part of of helping the scripture come to them in their own language so that they can read it for themselves and experience Christ. It's all kinds of ways. In closing, I want you to go ahead and put up the first slide. Some of you know who this is. This is Pastor John, he is from Africa. And I want to highlight his ministry today. If you'll just bear with me, it'll only take a few minutes. I've known this guy for probably 35 years. He was born a Muslim, he was trained in the mosque to be a Malam, which is a teacher of Islam. He was saved at the age of 18 by hanging around our house in the village. He worked for my mom and dad for 25 years. During this time, he started churches, many churches in villages around. He ended up going to Bible school. And then in 2014, he started a girls' school. Next picture. Here's David and I and Philip going to Africa. Next one. When we go, we buy food supplies to take. To different people as you see there in the back of the truck. Next one. Here's Pastor John preaching in one of his churches. Next. You've heard me talk about going overseas. It's a, we cross a river and the Africans call it going overseas. And when we go over there, we do crusades. Here's what a crusade looks like. You get a sound system and you turn it up real loud. And the sound goes out through the bush, and people come and they gather. Here they are gathered, gathering in a circle, trying to find out what's going on. And boy, can we tell them what's going on. Next one. Here he is preaching to some. Next one. Can you see the crowds? Most, if not all, of these are Muslims. Next one i that is, is those are the girls that have graduated in their graduation. Um, When John gets these girls off of the streets, not saved, prostitution, maybe their father died and their mother married another man and he beats her, so she runs away. John gets these girls, he brings them to the school, he teaches them to read and write. He has a a lady that lives there with them. He hires teachers. Um, They teach them to make soap and to do tie-dye. Can I tell you original tie-dye, I believe, came from Africa? Um, You women call it shea butter? Shea butter. We call it shea out there. The trees are out there. They get that and they make oils for their skin because their skin is so dry because it's so hot out there. And then he teaches them how to sew. And then when they graduate, he uh, gives them a sewing machine that you'll see. You see their outfits. They've sewn those outfits for the graduation. Next picture. There's the sewing machines on the tables and many of you have helped us over the uh, last couple years to buy these sewing machines to give them so that when they leave, they don't go back into that lifestyle. They're not drawn away. They can have a living, make a living by sewing things. Next picture. Here they are. Here's the family. Their families come. You see them covered? Those are Muslims with their heads covered. They come to watch their daughters graduate. And they graduate as Christians. And John hooks them up with Bible school students. And they marry. And they become pastors' wives. Next picture. Here the girls are sewing. With their sewing machines that are crank machines. No electricity. Crank and sew. Next. Next. Here they are. They're getting instruction. Go ahead, next. There they are. These are, these are brand-new pictures that just came uh, last week from over there. Next one. There they are, the girls. I'm going to ask you to participate with me. John can't be here today. I want to take an offering for him he told me last week that he's wanting to graduate, do his graduation in November. And I said, give us, give us an opportunity to give. He's one of our missionaries. You'll see it on the red card there in front. It says, Pastor John. Last time when we went, I raised. I talked to so many people. I raised money. We bought food for the girls. We bought a rebuilt engine for John's van. It had hundreds and hundreds of thousands of miles on it. And it just wouldn't run anymore. He had had it rebuilt so many times. And so we helped him with that. I'm, I, want, I just want to ask you to help. I'm telling you there's a need. And I'm telling you, you can help us. And so as the ushers come, if you want to text to give, you can text to give and then hit Pastor John. If you're not set up that way, they're gonna pass the offering buckets. You can put cash in there, coins in there. You can grab an envelope and fill out the credit card thing if you wanna do it that way. I'm just gonna ask you to do something. not gonna tell you what to do. I've been plain and clear, it's real simple and everyone can do something. And maybe you're here today and you haven't chosen a missionary to support monthly, can I I ask you to pray over the list there of missionaries and see what God would have you do on a consistent basis? This is spreading the gospel from in here to out there. Talk about a wise investment. I don't want to talk anybody into anything I'm just asking you to do what the Holy Spirit tells you to do I'm telling you there's a need I'm telling you that there's fruit that remains I'm asking you to be a part of it let's pray together father I thank you for your people and for their hearts for you I thank you for speaking to them even in this offering maybe they're not prepared to do it today but maybe next week, or in the days to come. God, I pray that we would be not only a Lakeland church, but a global church. I pray that our view, our mindset, would be to reach the world with the Gospel. I pray that You would help each one, even the youngest person, give them ideas, give them ways in which they can spread the Gospel right here in Lakeland and beyond. May we get our our eyes off of ourselves and see with eyes that you have for the whosoevers of the world that Jesus came to die for. May we be a part of advancing your kingdom, not only here in Lakeland, not only in this room, but outside these walls. Speak to your people, I pray, in Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and pass pass them real quick. you were challenged today, not beat up. That wasn't my goal. I just want to expand your horizon. I want you to, you know, when you buy a, a, a camera, it comes with a lens. I, want, I wanted you to take that lens off and buy a wide angle lens and put on there. That's what I wanted you to, wanted to do today. If you, if you feel condemned, I apologize. That's not my goal. I just want us all to be encouraged. Find things that we can do to represent Christ. Right right here and far, far away, whether you ever see it or not. You know, there's a day coming when we're going to stand around the throne and there's going to be people from all different tribes and nations, all different ones, with different face markings different features they're going to be worshiping God you say well where did how did where did they come from how did they hear somebody went somebody went somebody prayed for them and somebody sent them that's how and we can all be a part of that let's stand together I want to thank you for coming today. Be blessed. Father, I pray that you would bless your people. I pray that we would find ourselves in you this week. I pray that we would reflect you very clearly wherever we go. Pray that we would remember those that are on the foreign field, on the missions field. Pray for their protection. Pray for the anointing of God. Pray for their encouragement today. Some of them facing very, very difficult situations. Be their strength today. Be their encouragement today. Be their hope. And may they share with other people as we share with other people right here. We pray these things in Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen, Amen. You're dismissed.